We're in John's gospel, John's account of the life of Christ. Tonight we'll pick up where we left off. So this is John chapter 6, verse 60. John chapter 6, verse 60. I'll read it to you. This is how it begins. Therefore, many of his disciples, many of the Lord's disciples, that's what it says, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? Now, everything there forces you to back up and figure out what are they talking about? What is this difficult statement they said nobody would listen to it? Well, it's what the Lord said back in verse 53 when he said, truly, truly, meaning listen up. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. They said, that's a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? Who can accept it? Who can understand it? They missed the whole point, didn't they? He didn't mean literally that you take a bite out of him, and drink his blood. No, it's a metaphor. He was saying, do you know how when you eat food and chew on it and consume it, it becomes united with you? In the same way, you must be united personally with me. That's what he's saying. There's no such thing as group salvation. It's an individual matter. Why? Jesus has to be personally taken in because we have personal sin. That's essentially what he was saying. They said, this is such a difficult statement. Nobody's going to buy into it. When they missed the point, they're referred to as his disciples, and yet they missed the point. Not only did they miss the point, they said, everybody will. They're telling the one who they propose to follow that what he is saying is a hard saying. It's difficult. It's not a popular thing to say. Why is he making statements like this? Everybody's going to reject it. And they say, they're referred to as disciples. They say, not only do we not buy this, not only can we not accept and comprehend this, nobody will. This is a difficult statement. Who can Listen to it, and yet they are referred to here as his disciples, yet they can't accept his words. So I asked myself the question, what is going on here? How can they be his disciples and yet not accept what he says? By definition, I suppose we could say a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is someone who accepts the words of his or her master. But they're saying... <laughs> Not only can we not buy into this, nobody's going to be able to buy into it. So what does this mean? Uh, folks, the word disciples here is not what we think of. It was a general term. Just about every Jewish person in that day was a disciple of somebody, meaning they followed a rabbi. It's a general kind of a thing. So for a spell, these folks followed Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Jesus, an unusual rabbi. And to begin with, everything was pretty cool. He's healing bodies and he's filling bellies. And he holds promise to deliver us politically from Rome. Not a bad rabbi. Everything is going good, but from this point on, his popularity, you'll see, is going to decrease. In fact, everyone's going to turn against him, 
and impale him ultimately on a cross. This thing of being healed by him and being fed by him and following the one who does miracles is really, really fine, but he's calling upon us to do something now that troubles us. He's calling for devotion and primacy and preeminence and focus and first place and, eh, I'm not sure I want to do that. Heal me, feed me, require that I follow you? I don't know about that. So their enthusiasm for this new rabbi Jesus is really, really waning at this time. They found themselves not being able or willing to accept what he said, and they couldn't imagine that others would either. See, they're not really his disciples. They're disciples in a general sense, but there was no life change. There was no transformation whatsoever. I mean, so eating his flesh, drinking his blood, this is a difficult statement, they say. This is a hard saying, and they're correct. It is a hard saying. It's a hard truth. Uh, but the hardest part about it is not understanding it, it's accepting it, and that's the stumbling block. That's the stumbling block. These folks understood really what he was saying. He was calling for a level of personal commitment no other rabbi did. He was calling for a level of devotion they were not willing to give. This Jesus was requiring not part-time followers, but complete allegiance. He was requiring first place in their lives. <laughs> Nobody else, no thing else could vie for their allegiance for him. That's what he was calling for. And this really perfectly clear and understandable requirement, it was too difficult for them. They wouldn't buy into it, and so they claimed an intellectual deficit. Your saying is incomprehensible, and that's why no one's going to follow you. And in fact, we're thinking about leaving you behind as well. No, their problem wasn't lack of understanding. It was lack of commitment. It was lack of devotion. So here's what happens, verse 61. But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled. Now, the word for grumbling there is kind of like private and amongst themselves. How was this rabbi Jesus conscious of their private grumbling? But you know, See, that's just the point. <laughs> He's God. He's beyond any rabbi one may choose to follow. He's God who came near. He reduced himself to a human sort of a facade, but he retained his essential nature as deity, and therefore he knew exactly what was going on. And so conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, he said to them, does this cause you to stumble? They grumbled and they stumbled, and he knew all about it. And he's being a little sarcastic right now. See, they're referred to as his disciples, but once again, I must tell you, no, that was just a general term. They are not really his true followers. There's been no life change whatsoever. There's no evidence of regeneration, being born again whatsoever. And so that though they were counted amongst the followers of Jesus, he confronted them, not as disciples. In fact, he called them grumblers. Grum you want to hear the Greek word for grumbling? But yeah, I'll tell you. Listen, gangusman. It sounds like grumbling. Gangusman. 
It doesn't sound, it's not a pretty word. That's what he was saying. You're numbered with my followers, but you're not. You're engaged in gangusman. That's what you're doing. And he knew about all this. And aware of this, he asked, essentially, he asked them, what is so offensive to you about what I'm saying? He says, does this cause you to stumble? And to stumble in the Greek, listen, to stumble is the word from which we get our word scandal. You know what he's saying to him? What have I said that is so scandalous? What have I said that is such a violation? It's a scandalous statement. And then he says in verse 62, what then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? See, he was in heaven and he came down. And the Lord says to them, he's not making it easier on them at all. He says, listen to me. You're troubled by what I'm saying to you about me being the bread of life, which you must personally take in in order to be saved and an heir of eternal life? You stumble over that? How are you going to handle it when you see me ascended into heaven and enthroned at the right hand of my Father? My heavens, he's not making it easy. He says, you think what I'm telling you is tough. Wait till you see me ascend to the place from whence I came, there to be enthroned at the right hand of the Father. Do you find it difficult, he's in essence saying, do you find it difficult to see me to be the bread of life here that you must personally consume and lay hold of? Do you find that to be difficult? You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Wait until you see me rise up from death and ascend from the earth to the place from whence I came. What will you say then? Now listen, if you and I are truly his disciples, we're not leaving Jesus behind. We're not going anywhere. If you and I count the costs of being true disciples of the Lord Jesus, we will not be disappointed because he has ascended and he is enthroned. And one day, how many knees will bow? How many tongues will confess? What will they confess? And if we figure that out now, we have quite an advantage, don't we? Yeah. So that's kind of what's happening over here. Now, verse 63, it goes on. It is the Spirit, Holy Spirit, His Spirit, who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. When you see the word flesh in the New Testament, you really have to pay attention to the context because it means different things. Flesh is a reference here to the stuff of which we are made. This is a reference to who you are as a man or a woman or a boy or, or, or a girl. Uh, flesh here is not, does not have a negative connotation. It doesn't mean you're all bad or I'm all bad. It, it does mean we are all limited, for sure. Our fleshly or natural minds, it doesn't mean they're all bad. It just means they're so limited, so finite, that we cannot understand spiritual truths. 
We can't understand the difficult and hard sayings of Jesus Christ in our fleshly intellect. Because though our fleshly intellect may be great, you know, you may have high IQ and all the rest and all kinds of degrees and stuff like that. No, no, your fleshly mind cannot comprehend the lofty truths of the Lord who is above lords. Well, then how can we comprehend what he has to say? He says right there, it is the spirit who gives life. Listen to me, his audience, they're cringing right now. Because they're claiming there must be something wrong with you, Rabbi Jesus, because we're pretty smart. And we don't get where you're coming from. And he's saying the reason you don't get it is you don't have my spirit. That's what he's saying. He's slamming them. You know what I found out about the Lord Jesus? He did not come here to be in a popularity contest. He did not uh, come here to win friends and, all, and influence people. He came here to win the lost. So he, 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 he tells the truth. And the truth is hard to receive when you count yourself amongst those who follow him, but you're not one who really is, is sold out for him. So he says, it's the spirit who gives life to understand, to submit even to these truths that he is declaring to them. You have to be born of the spirit. And that's the mark of a true disciple of Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, his spirit in us, I don't care how smart we are, we are utterly unable to understand and submit to his lordship and what he says. So these grumblers characterize the words of Messiah Jesus as being difficult and hard sayings, and he says, no, no, no. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You're making it look like it's an intellectual burden. I'm telling you, they are spirit and they are life if you have the spirit in you. And so verse 64, he says, now he really turns on the heat, but there are some of you who do not believe. That's what he said. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying to them, for this reason I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. The fact that they're having a hard time coming to him and accepting what he had to say is evidence of the fact that the Father has not granted them to come to him. He is slamming them. As a result of this, verse 66, many of his so-called disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. They knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying, don't talk to me about my hard sayings and don't make this look like an intellectual issue, putting the burden on me to explain things further. The issue is not your brains, it's your heart. Your heart is not mine. My father has not granted you repentance. Your heart is cold. Forget about your minds. It's your heart. They heard this. And so it says, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. That's what it says. He tells them their problem is not a lack of understanding. It's a lack of faith. He, he tells them their problem was not a disconnect with his words. Their problem was a disconnect with his father. 
For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. And their response as a result of this, many of his, how many? Listen, he fed over 20,000, remember that, with a few loaves and fishes. So they're like thousands of people who, you know, sort of were numbered with the followers of Jesus. If this says many turned away, oh my goodness, many, many left the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings behind. Did they forfeit their salvation? Let me answer before you give the wrong answer. No. Why not? Well, how can you forfeit what you never possessed? You, you know who these folks are? They're the folks described in 1 John, by the way, authored by this same John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. Listen, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But as it is, they went out from us in order that it might be shown that they were not really of us. <clears throat> they claim to go away because they can't understand him, but that's not true. They understand him full well. They see what he's requiring. They see that following him requires a cost and they were not willing to count the cost. Listen, to have Jesus as Savior is free. For us, not for him, cost him his life. You don't have to do a thing except admit your sin. Don't you love the song we sing, Just As I Am, without one plea? We bring nothing except holes and emptiness, and sin, all the rest. To accept Jesus is a free gift of salvation. To follow Jesus as a true disciple may cost your life and mine. <clears throat> and many who are numbered with his followers, therefore, turn away from him. Don't do it. Don't do it. Many did. It's difficult to follow Jesus. <clears throat> I think it gets harder <laughs> as you walk with him. I find it very, very difficult to be a follower of Jesus, especially with our current state of affairs in the world. See, if you follow Jesus, he has hard sayings like this. He says, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. Hmm. A man and a woman in marriage shall cleave to one another. Oh, that's a new unit. That's a hard saying of Jesus in this day uh, of same gender marriage. <laughs> now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're gonna take some hits. You know what Jesus said? He said he's the giver of life and its duration on earth is for him to determine and not us, which means we dare not tamper with life in the womb. Furthermore, he says all life is made in his image. Therefore, to kill a baby in the womb 
It's almost like deicide. <laughs> it's worse than homicides to kill off the image of God, someone he created. Now, if you think that, that's a hard saying of Jesus because you and I know young people, you know, the gal's gotten pregnant and she's not ready to be a mama and all the rest, economic reasons, this, then, the other thing. And uh, it all makes sense except the difficult saying of Jesus who says, no, 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 you must not. You must not take the life of another. So uh, it's going to cost if you believe that. It's going to cost for you to take a stand on that. You know what's picking up steam in many states? Let's get these older people who have all these illnesses out of the way. You know, they're just a financial drain. Let's get rid of them. Euthanasia, mercy, killing. Picking up steam. <laughs> but if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, that cannot be an option. We don't, we don't have that option. Accepting Jesus as Savior is an inexpressibly free gift. It's the starting point. But thereafter, to follow him, yeah, you have to embrace many of his hard sayings. You want, you want to know one of the hardest sayings of Jesus? <laughs> this, this one is a rough one. Give, and it will be given to you. That is counterintuitive. You and I were raised hoard. Give, and that's the way to get a return on your investment? Oh, Lord Jesus, this is a difficult saying. Who can accept it? Those who have his spirit inside. The spirit stirs you up to accept the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm telling you, if you're a true follower of the Lord Jesus, it's going to get increasingly difficult. You and I haven't experienced anything like what our brothers and sisters have in different parts of the world. In some parts of the world, someone puts a sword, a knife, or a gun to your head, and they say, you must renounce Jesus or die. Oh, it costs to follow the master. But where are you going to go for crying out loud? He's ascended. He's already enthroned. He's waiting for those who are his to be there with him, gathered around the throne, worshiping him joyously throughout eternity. And not a one of us then will say, I regret giving him first place or I regret dying for him. Nobody will do that then. So these who were numbered with his followers, they just, they left him. They, they, the cost was just far too great. And so Jesus says now, verse 67, to the 12, there's the crowd, but there's the 12. He says, you don't want to go away also, do you? Ah, they were different than the crowd. He invested his life in the 12, wherever he was. You read, they're always there watching and and even among the 12, one of them betrayed him, didn't he? But he turns to the 12. You, you notice he doesn't, talk, he doesn't talk to the ones who left him. Isn't he concerned about those who he lost? No. I, I, he didn't lose them. He never had them. <laughs> He's concerned about the ones he has. And so he turns to the 12. By extension, he's turning to us. I think he's 
I think he's asking the same question of us tonight. You don't, you don't want to go away also, do you? you? You don't want to turn your back on me also, do you? You don't want to, Simon Peter jumps up and he answers for them and for all of us, his personality. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have words of eternal life. So for those of you who are true followers of the Lord Jesus, you realize how difficult it is to be a Christian, how difficult it is to follow him. We realize that. In fact, sometimes it's so difficult. I suppose if we're honest, we we think about giving up and giving in. I suppose we do. But where do we go? Peter's question is very piercing. To whom shall we go? What are the options? If we leave Jesus, would we go off into the cults and false religions of the world? Do they have the answer? I remember when I was searching, but I didn't know it was for Jesus. I was in a yoga commune in Pennsylvania years ago, and I had people there, this yoga commune. They had this glassy-eyed look in their eyes. I thought, man, I want to get one of those. How do you get that glassy-eyed look? Is it eating vegetables? They were vegetarians. Is that how you get that glassy? You eat asparagus or what? I mean, in meditation and all this, making sounds and all this kind of exercise, you know, whatever the deal was. And then I found out in a few weeks, oh, I'm lost. But they're they're even farther gone than I am. Well, would you leave Jesus to get into one of the cults and false religions? What are the options? Would you leave Jesus to embrace the secular worldview that is prevalent in our country and in every country of the world? Is that working out for folks? Would you leave would you leave Jesus to go into the hedonism and materialism that uh, so many are caught up in today? Get all the gusto. You only live once. If it feels good, do it. You tried that. How would that do for you? Peter is right. He's asking the question, and Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. He has the words that tell us how to inherit eternal life. But that's not all. His words enable us to experience eternal life. Now what Maharishi, priest, rabbi, imam has words as powerful as the king of kings? I want to know whose words can engender eternal life. Peter answered his own, Lord, you have words of eternal life and He finishes with this in verse 69. We have believed. What a statement. In the Greek, it actually reads this way. Trust me on this. We have believed and are still believing and have come to know. That means we have known and are still knowing that you are the Holy One of God. My fellow true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't look for a better deal. There is none. 
Only King Jesus has words of eternal life. Life is tough, and I think it's going to get worse. But we know this. These are the, this is the precursor. These are the things that have to precede the coming of the Lord Jesus to rescue us all out of it. So yeah, it's going to be tough to be a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you tell me, what are the options? We have believed and we continue to believe. We have known and continue to know that you are the Holy One of God. Let's not leave him behind. He came for us. He's the Lord. He's made us free. He's forgiven our sin. He's adopted us into his family. He has a purpose for us. He's invited us into a personal relationship. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Now, I got to tell you something. I've been spending a lot of time speaking to folks who, like me, believe. For those of you here who don't, I feel like apologizing because what I just said doesn't apply to you. You don't have the riches of royalty who stooped to become man so as to take your place, a man or a woman, on a cross to die for your sin. This doesn't apply to you. <sighs> Unless you sense the Father, God, drawing you. Do you? I remember the time I was in a military barracks a long time ago, it was 1973. Nobody was in the room, but it might as well have been filled with preachers. <laughs> I just knew. Almighty God. I did not hear him audibly. I did not feel him literally. But I didn't have to. Somehow, I was persuaded. It was like his heavy and holy finger was upon the sin in my life. And I was persuaded. I'm not self-generated. I didn't get here on my own. I have a creator and I have sinned against the creator. And I'm trying to run the experiment of living my life without the giver of life. And I remember crying out, oh God, if that's your name. I didn't even know how to address him. I'm eons apart from you. And as a result, I've made a mess of the life you gave me. And then I said, I'd like to make a deal. Can you make a deal with God? <sighs> I get the impression he was just smiling and shaking his head and saying it's a good thing I know what's on your heart because your words are pretty deficient. But here was the deal. God, if you come into my life, forgive my sins. Change me from the inside out. I'll give you the rest of my life. That's the deal. And I remember saying, now God, admittedly, I'll get the better end of the stick. But that's all, that's all I can do. But I think God took me up on that. I think he said, deal. And Jesus sent his Holy Spirit, the one we read about, inside of me. 
and changed me from the inside out so that the hard sayings of Jesus make perfect sense to me now. How did that happen? I read books, get degrees. No, 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 no. When you accept Christ, you get the mind of Christ. In other words, you start thinking like him. <laughs> that was September 5th, 1973. There have been times I've been tempted, I suppose, to walk away. To who? <laughs> to what? What is there? You know, people in our day, at the top of their game, don't have what a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ has. <laughs> what does the world have to offer trinkets instead of a treasure trove of eternal blessing. If you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, think about that whole thing, accept. It tells you something about him. It means he won't impose himself upon you. He invites. No preacher gives an invitation. <laughs> the Lord Jesus gives an invitation. He says, come to me. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, sin can really weigh you down. Because you know there's a penalty for it and you're accountable to God. He said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you a lecture. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. <clears throat> I, pray, I pray not one person would leave here. See, so you may be counted among the followers of Jesus, yet not be one. <clears throat> if so, eventually you'll walk away because the heat's getting turned up. <clears throat> Don't do it. Say, come into my life, Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. Make me to be the person you want me to be. Take me with you on into eternity. I'll give you the rest of my life. First place. Lord Jesus, it is always our heart's desire for people who have come here not yet knowing you, not to go away that way. Just as each must personally take in food, each must personally take in you the bread of life as Savior, as Lord. I pray in the power of your spirit. It has to be yours. You would woo people unto yourself. You would impress upon them separation through sin and the possibility of reconciliation through you, the Savior. This is not religious business, is it, Lord? It's relationship business. I pray there be not one person who leaves here without having established by faith a personal relationship with you. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen.